Google offers quick answers to any query might, we might have, but wisdom is not about getting answers as fast as possible. It's more often about the journey, the bigger picture, the questions and complications on the way. Google can give an answer, right? You can, you can figure out how to cook something really quick on Google, but unless you've experienced it, know the nuances of, okay, you know, what is the order that I'm going to put this in and how long do I have to let it sit? And why do I have to knead this bread and what kind of oven, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there's nuances that make bakers unbelievable because of the time that they've put yeah. into it. Yeah. That's an interesting concept. What if Google, you know, cause it, it says one of 6,497,000,000 answers or whatever. Uh -huh. What if they just came back with here's 10 of the best answers. Yes. I got a question for you. Shoot. What happened to COVID? <laughs> well, the second rush across the Ukrainian border, COVID disappeared. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, in the last three weeks, I even went and Googled it the other day. Yeah. like, what is going on? Yeah, it hasn't been a news story in it hasn't like six been weeks. A, it's been radio silence. Yeah. Well, I did Everywhere. see uh, Do you even know President anybody? Obama just contracted it. I saw that. Oh, really? Come, I saw that okay. come through. I, I don't know anybody personally who has it uh -huh. right now. I mean, three months ago, everybody had it. I know. Remember, it was like, it was another one, like in January, it was like, yeah. oh my gosh, here we go again. Right. And then it was gone. Now it's, nobody I know has it, and I haven't heard anything on the news in two weeks. Yeah. It's, it's like, it just all of a sudden. Yeah. It's really interesting. Vanished. Well, and again, hopefully, here's, here's what I hope, is I hope that cases are down and people right. are not being affected by it. I hope it's not just a result of who we are as a culture and we've just moved on from it. Right. So that people aren't just suffering in silence. Like, I hope that's not the case. I really do hope that numbers are down. And, and again, I don't want to get into the whole, like, overblown, da -da -da, whatever conversation. Um, but I really, truly hope people are, are healthy. And this is yeah. something that is beginning to be in our rearview mirror. Yeah, I hope so, too. And, and I mean, because all of a sudden, it's not important anymore. And I get it. There's, there's bigger fish to fry. But to your point, yeah. hopefully it's because... Yeah. We're on a backside and it's, yeah. it is actually truly getting better. Yeah. Um, but that's neither here nor there, I guess. I guess we got other things to, yes. to discuss. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. I was just curious because yes, it's like, it's, I haven't heard about it in a while. I know. Yeah. And like I said, I saw that Obama um, just got it. So it's still, it's still around. Uh, but I just think severity wise, yeah. you know, we're not seeing the deaths. We're not seeing you know, people being on there. Like my father-in-law, for example, he was in the hospital uh, let's see for like four weeks in January and February and he had it and he had a collapsed lung and he had pneumonia and he had it, but the COVID didn't affect him at all. Right. Mm. It was, it was asymptomatic, but he had it, but it was the collapsed lung that was the issues. And right. once they went in and had surgery and, um, it's just interesting because it, it, there was still a case where doctors were making it, oh, it's COVID because he had pneumonia right. and it was had COVID pneumonia. It's like, no, he's actually had these symptoms for like six weeks. Right. And that's why he's at where he's at. And, and you, you can't have COVID for six weeks. Right. So, yeah. so no. Interesting. So it's just interesting, man. It's just a, it's just a interesting. And, and, you know, again, he had the surgery and man, recovery was great yeah. and he's doing, he's doing awesome. But yeah. Well, to celebrate, hopefully reduce cases. Yes. And getting back out there, there's a great place. 
Yes. Called Choctaw Casino Resort that you can head north to. Yes. Now that COVID is, is on the wane. Well, here's the deal is if if you can be in LA in SoFi Stadium with seventy five thousand people. <laughs> you saying I can be in a casino in, you can in Durant, be in Oklahoma? Choctaw, and guess what? <laughs> SoFi Stadium doesn't have the ventilation system that Choctaw That's exactly Casino right. Resorts has in there. In, uh, in their gaming floors. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. <laughs> but for real, for real. Honestly, short drive up 75. You hear us saying it all the time. You need to get up there. Look, the weather's starting to turn. Mm-hmm. Pool season is, is on coming. the near horizon. Hopefully you're doing your 75 hard oh, like we are right on, now to get ready on. for pool season. Ben is on his last couple of days. I We've am. already talked about yep. his uh, his celebratory meal. <laughs> I've only got... <laughs> I've only got a short 60 days left, <laughs> but Hey, we're getting closer. Uh, but man, honestly, getting up there and whether it's pools, whether it's a concert, whether it's movies, whether it's gaming, whether it's one of the eight restaurants on the property, I mean, there is endless things to do. So get up there and just go have a blast. Yep. yep absolutely. So get yourself to Choctaw Casino Resort. Uh, they're always giving away cash. Yes. It, it's guaranteed to be a good time. Restaurants, all that yep. good stuff. So get yourself up there. And then also our second uh, partner that we want to thank is Sleep Number. Yep. And so I've, uh, got, I've got a client, and, um, and he is building a house, and there's all this drama with his house. Not drama, but just delays. I think he's like seven months behind when it was supposed to be done. And he's like literally like he, they're in an apartment, and he has this a sleep number bed, and he he got it before I had this conversation with him, and I just made it worse for him because he's like, yeah, no, we got the we got the bed, and we saw all the stuff that the science and data behind it, and we're like, yeah, you know what? It's time to invest in a good bed. We've been mm-hmm. on a college mattress forever, he and his wife, and uh, and I said, so you have it? He's like, no, man, we don't want to ship it to our apartment and then move it. It's kind of a it's it's a it's a whole thing. And, uh, and I walked him through literally how I felt specific, honestly, the last two weeks. So mm-hmm. combination of like good diet, a lot of rest, a lot of water, and then the sleep number. I was like, dude, my recovery, like on my whoop is through the roof. Oh, that's awesome. Like I think I'm averaging like 88 recovery wow. every single night, which I was like in the forties and the thirties. And, and then I got the sleep number bed and my numbers immediately went up, mm-hmm. but now it's like through the roof. And I was telling him, I was like, dude. It's you, you have to get on one of these beds. Yeah. It's the best thing that you'll ever do. Yeah. What I love is we're getting more and more listeners reaching out to us. Hey, uh-huh. you know, heard, you know, heard you guys talking about sleep number, decided to, to make the leap. Uh, you will not be disappointed. So no. get yourself to sleepnumber.com or to a local sleep number store. You will not be disappointed. And you know, what's crazy about it is I feel like, and it's a 360 smart bed is the one that, that we both have. Right. And what's crazy is I feel like this thing is still learning me. Like I, it just depends. Like if I'm, if I've got my bed set up a little bit, it knows, okay, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be on my back. So it keeps a certain level of firmness. If I drop it down flat, that's when I'm like, I feel like I'm going to be sleeping on my side and then it softens and it, Oh my gosh, yeah. it literally is learning me. Well, that, more pr- and more. that pressure point thing, yes. every time, every night I lay down, I turn to my left side and I can just feel the bed. Right where my shoulder is, yep. I can feel it collapsing a little bit yep. to, to make up for that pressure. So yeah. it truly is crazy and yeah. wild what, what their technology is. So go get yourself a sleep number bed and, and thank us later. Yes. Uh, but on to today's topic. Yeah. And I'm going to let you take over from here Yeah. Uh, what we're talking about today. Yeah, you can just go ahead and go to the restroom yeah, or something, do whatever you got to do. No. You going on, what is the <laughs> I'm gonna, monologue? I'm going to yeah, go get up on my soapbox <laughs> <laughs> for a little bit. No. Um, 
So, so here's, here's the thing, man. And we, you and I have had this conversation quite a bit and we've kind of dabbled a little bit over our two years, um, you know, doing this show. Um, but my church went, is going through this series about wisdom, right? And, and the book in the Bible that really focuses on wisdom is Proverbs. And, and so it was just one of those things that kind of sparked some questions for me, like, okay, why as a culture are we so unwise? Cause think about how hard it is to have a conversation with someone that literally through experience, through time, and then through like, okay, I'm going to think through. And then, then after, after asking a question provides a response that is well thought out, that is logical. Like you don't get those anymore, right? It's yeah. all reactionary. And, yeah. Yeah. And even you, you look at, you look at like on a political stage, right? There's not much logic used from my perspective, at least as far as logic and wisdom used to make very big decisions, you know, whether it comes to elections or whether it comes to, um, whether it comes to, um, policies, whatever it's, it, there's just wisdom. It just seems to be absent. Well, and this, and the book may go over this, but, but part of the reason for that, think about the way we live now, as opposed to 200 years ago, when we all lived together in our smaller tribes and our older people lived with our younger people and we take care, we took care of the elderly. Mm-hmm. They were seen as, as, as or, uh, sacred, yes. right? Older yep. people, because of that wisdom, because of that life experience. And again, you're taking care of your grandparent or your parents as they get older. You're not now it's your parents get 65, 70 and start to go downhill a little bit. And we ship them off to a, a, yeah. a home, yeah. right? And we let somebody else take care of them and we may go visit them every now and then, but we're not around. I know for me personally, and this is convicting as I'm just sitting here thinking about it. I didn't spend a lot of time with my grandparents as they got older. And so I missed out. I just think now about all those opportunities and they lived in different towns and things like that. I think about all those opportunities and conversations that I missed those lessons of wisdom. I could have taken advantage of had I sought it out. There's a lot that we're going to talk through. And this is just so you know, if you're listening right now, this is going to be a two part series. And and this first episode is we're going to identify some of the challenges that we face as a culture when it comes to wisdom. Um, this overabundance of information that we have is actually causing the opposite effect in, in lack of wisdom and, and lack of knowledge. Um, and so, so what you're talking about is in just a real life example, and we're going to hit this a little bit later is, okay, think about it, right? When we talk to people in their forties, fifties, sixties, what is our, what is our reaction? Oh, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know what it's like. Right. Times are different than when you are, when these people have been through multiple cycles, economic cycles Mm -hmm. have been through multiple life experiences, have either been in long relationships or multiple relationships. They have a wealth of wisdom just because of time and experience. Mm -hmm. And we just dismiss them because they can't relate. You can't keep up. Yeah. We know what it is. Hmm. Right. And so we're going to talk about that. And there's, there's some really good points that are brought up, but what we're going to follow is we're going to follow a book called the wisdom pyramid. Um, it's by Brett McCracken. So in the eighties, which I didn't realize it was in then, but in the, in the 1980s, there was a, an epidemic on nutrition in the United States. And, you know, there was this big migration of fast food and convenience. 
And, and so what the, the FDA wanted to do is they wanted to create, okay, hey, we've got to re-educate people on what nutrition looks like. So they created, remember in school, the food pyramid. Yep. Right. So you've, you've got your base, you've got your, your carbohydrates as your base, and then you've got your proteins and then you've got your fruits and veggies and, and then you've got your sugars up on the top of it. Right. You gotta have right. the littlest bit about of it. So this food pyramid, well, this book, the wisdom pyramid, it follows this idea of, Hey, we've got to reeducate people on one, what wisdom is, but then two, how to actually get wise. But in order to understand how to get wise, we've got to understand the current um, and I'm going to call it epidemic that we have as a culture in just the absence of it. And, and as we go through this, it's going to make sense. It's going to make a lot of sense. And, and as I read this book, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's pointing at me, right? Like, mm. this is totally me. It's totally me. I do this. I do this. I do this. So I want to, I want to start out and, and just as, as a quick warning, um, when, when we've done these book studies, you know, Ben has read little snippets. There's going to be quite a few that I'm going to read. They're short, but it's because they can be say honest. it better than us. The, the author's <laughs> just way smarter than me. <laughs> so let's just leave it at that. Right. Exactly. So, so, uh, the intro to the book is uh, the title of it is, is an unwise age. And, and here's how the book starts out. It says our world has more and more information, but less and less wisdom, more data, less clarity, more stimulation, less synthesis, more distraction, less stillness, more pontification, less pondering, more opinion, less research, more speaking, less listening, more to look at, less to see, more amusements, less joy. Hmm. Does that not sum up <laughs> where we are well, you, at You today? kept going through the list and I said, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Also oh, true. Yeah, also yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Ben, uh, actually, really quick, can you define pontification? Uh, no, I can't. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's the only one where it's like, okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah. But but it's true, right? We have all of this information. We have things to do. We have endless amounts of things to do. And you think about when we were kids. What it, it was like, all right, go outside and play. Ride your bike. Go play at the park. That was it. Mm -hmm. Like Those are the only things that you you could do right and every once in a while you'd go to like the public pool or if you were lucky enough to have a friend that had a pool great go swim there um but how how much more fulfilling was that time now it was simpler ages and and we were we didn't have the complexities that you have as an adult but i just think about back then nowadays our kids have endless things to do like it is a parent's job now to entertain your kids mm -hmm. Like, okay, go to this place, go do that. We have to have this activity. It's spring break. We got to plan this, 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 and this. And there's no stillness to kids for them to go out, be kids. And, and that, as we go through this is going to, it, it's a, it's a sign and it's, and it's a, um, it's a circumstance that leads to less wisdom, right? Because what's not happening now is as a kid, you're not thinking through, okay, how am I going to build this fort? Yeah. Right. How, how am I going to tie up this rope swing. Mm -hmm. How am I going to get over to my friend's house? You know what I mean? Like yeah, there's, no, I, there's things that you're going through where now it's just kind of done for you. Right. We're actually going through this with my five-year-old right now. It's, it's, it's a constant, I'm bored. I don't know what to do. Yep. He's five. Yep. Right. And I think part of it is I think back to my time as a kid, mm -hmm. myself, nor none of my friends went to daycare. What we did, my daycare was my mom stayed home and, and yeah. took care of us. Yep. And so you're right. 
I think the part of the problem, it's a great thing. Daycare is awesome. Don't, yeah. don't mishear me. But think about what daycare your, your schedule is like. Every single minute of daycare is accounted for. Activity, you've got a schedule. You've got an activity. Yeah. And so when the kid gets home or on the weekend, they don't know how to think for themselves. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we were kids, we had until you hit kindergarten, you were playing by yourself. You were doing yes. your own thing. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying one is better than the other or one's yeah. bad and one's good. But I think that probably helps explain it. We're, yeah. we're giving our kids from the minute they're six months old, which is when my oldest started daycare, you know, because we're mom and dad, we're out pursuing our dreams. Yeah. So throw the kid in daycare. And again, yep. it's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that. But I am saying he's been groomed from six months to yes. now five to be constantly fed with activity. That's exactly right. And, and it, la- it leads to lack of creativity, mm-hmm. lack of um, contemplation, uh, lack of ingenuity. I mean, there's so many things, right, that, that come to it. So, so within this book, um, and again, going back to the diet aspect of it, some of the things that, you know, we really, we need to just be aware of and work towards um, is one of the things is we need better, uh, better habits of information intake. That's one of the things that they identify as, as a problem. So it says, this book proposes that we need a better diet of knowledge and better habits of information intake to become wise in the information age where opinions, sound bites, diversions, and distractions are abundant, but wisdom is scarce. We need to be more discerning about what we consume. We need a diet comprising of lasting, reliable sources of wisdom rather than the fleeting, untrustworthy information that bombards us today. A diet heavy on what fosters wisdom and low on what fosters folly. So we are, we are consuming, and we're going to talk about this a little more, we are consuming massive amounts of sound bites, little bits here and there, like a 15-second clip of a speech that President Biden gave or um, a, a, a real quick headline of some sort of news thing, right? And we're not actually digging into it. And so we're not getting, and we don't even know if that is reliable information, and we're going to get into that more too, but... We don't even know what it is, but that's what we're consuming mm-hmm. as opposed to, okay, we're going to look for reliable information and we're going to actually digest it before we create an opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Information has been hijacked. Dude. Yes. So it's quick and it's not always accurate. Uh-huh. And so there's so much of it. It's to this, to this book's point, there's so many calories out there that I can consume yes. that are doing nothing for me. It's empty calories. It's empty it's calories. empty information. That's yeah. exactly right. So we're living in a time that's coined uh, the new post-truth normal. So interesting is, is that in uh, so 2016, the Oxford Dictionary um, identified the word of the year as post-truth. Wait. Yeah. So 2016, Oxford, 2016, the word post-truth was coined as the word of the year. I never heard of that first. So it's, word. it's defined as relating to or denoting circumstances in which uh, objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. Huh. The new post-truth normal was underscored in early 2017 when Time magazine posed the question, is truth dead on its cover? And so what that was is that was a play on... Um, a cover they did 50 years prior to is God dead Huh? is truth dead. So this post truth, we live in a post truth time where actual facts are less important when we are now 
we are now using dialogue that appeals to the emotion more than it is to facts of what is actually happening. Oh, I guess I've never really thought of that. That's interesting. So, so one of the things um, that, and I think we, we can all relate, right? COVID-19. This comes up and it exposes it. It was already there because, again, this was 2016 that, uh, that the um, post-truth that Oxford Dictionary right had, had coined. But now we're 2020. Um, so COVID-19 didn't create these frightening information dynamics, but it was a crisis made worse because of them. Um, so 2016 it was when the extent of our epistemolog- epistemological 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 crisis became apparent that was the year donald trump's election to president in the u.s and the brexit in the uk stunned experts and accelerated feelings that the world was entering a new unpredictable phase driven more by rage than reality more by fear than facts so this it was it was started then but the covid pandemic it 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 uh exponentially made it worse here's here's why is during the pandemic everything is now just thrown out there Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter about what the actual facts are because we didn't have facts for a long time right we just wanted to make sure that either people weren't panicking or on the other side some people say we want to make sure people do panic you know whatever your your position is but now we've just got all of this information thrown out at us and who knows if it's real, if it's not, but what they did do is they did appeal to our emotional, right? First it was, okay, economy, right? Then it's your, your neighbors. You're going to kill your neighbors if you go outside. If you don't wear a mask, your family's going to die. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, everything was driven on emotional language, and the facts were completely lost in it. And we look back on it, right? And the whole Joe, Joe Rogan scenario is that, all the things that were said that were true, looking back on it, were deemed as misinformation. Misinformation mm-hmm. were deemed as uh, domestic terrorists. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of these things, because again, they're appealing to emotions, and yeah. they're trying they're trying to get their agenda in. So instead of what the actual truth is, they yeah. didn't care about that. They they had something in mind on where they wanted to go, and if you're if your facts didn't align with that, then it's, it's bad information. Yeah. That's another word that I'd never heard of before this pandemic was misinformation. Mm-hmm. Now that, yeah, and was, yeah. that, I, I, that word has been worn out now yes. at this point, Yep, but it, it was never used really mm-hmm. before then. So mm-hmm. That's interesting. So, so there's three habits that, um, that we're going to talk about really in this, in this episode that, that I think are, are, very easy to digest, no pun intended, because all of these are going to be kind of uh, diet related, related, right? Yeah. Um, but there's three habits when it comes to information that make us information and food that make us sick. The first is information gluttony. The second is perpetual novelty. So, so again, what that is is that's you know eating too fast. Mm-hmm. So you're always moving to the next thing. So you're eating too fast. I'm, I'm gonna eat this and I'm gonna eat that. And then the last is eating only what tastes good to us. Is there something wrong with that? I, I do. I eat super <laughs> fast, but, but, but again, so, so you, you look at, you know, eating too much. So, um, it's the problem of limitless space. Whereas physical, physical stores 
and communities are bound by limitation. A supermarket can only stock so many brands of coffee and a family only has so many opinions about what to cook on Thanksgiving. The internet does not have any of those limitations. So think of when it comes to food, right? We're, we're limited to a grocery store on what we can get mm-hmm. and what we can do with, okay, that's all we can do and that's all we can consume. But now with the information age, it's like for Thanksgiving, what am I going to cook? Okay, I can do a fried turkey. I can do a smoked turkey. I can do a tadurkin. I can do, I mean, there's endless things that you can do. And we have so much information that um, it's, it's, it's really causing harm to us. It's, uh, let me see here. So limitless space nature of online media has also created a situation where news channels must find content to fill 24 hours a day, seven days a week, resulting in diminishing diminishment of what qualifies as newsworthy filling an hour of live you know filming an hour with live car chases Uh, on the web not only uh, is there the expectation of daily fresh breaking news content but there's a fierce competition for clicks desperate to stand out websites are motivated uh, to using uh, incendiary headlines and other tricks to collect coveted clicks by any means necessary the result is content is often rushed, hot to take on yesterday's controversy, random, reckless, or even distorted to spark short-term controversy rather than long-term wisdom. So again, it's so much information. Right. We're just filling up this bucket with information that there's no time or ability to fact check to make sure it's credible. It, it becomes reckless. It becomes rushed. Um, it becomes random. Just to get just to get the massive amount of information out to yeah. people. Yeah, a couple of things come to mind. I can remember growing up vividly, coming home from school, playing, doing all that. Mm. And I remember my dad coming home for the five o'clock or five thirty news mm-hmm. with Peter. What was the guy's name? He's he's passed away since. It was ABC yep. World News Tonight. Yes. Yep. And that was his one opportunity to get the information for the day was that 30 minute news channel. That's it. That's it. That's the only, that's the only now what, after we got the internet and things like that, obviously that opened up. But at that point, my dad was at work all day long. The only time he consumed news was that 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then, or if you missed that 30 minutes, then you go to the 10 o'clock news that night. But that was it. So you're right. It's like, Back then, you had a very, it was portion control. Yeah. Your, your news intake was portion control. You had yep. 30 minutes and that was it. That's right. And so you could think about all the 900 other things you had to get done for the day because you weren't worried. But mm-hmm. to what this book is talking about, so true. Now I can spend, if I wanted, I could spend all day long on Twitter or on the internet <laughs> yeah. getting information. I think yeah. of the other scenario I think of is, is ESPN. Sports Center. Remember, Sports Center when we were kids was a rerun. Yes. And then at some point, I don't remember what year they started changing this. They started doing live Sports yep. Center live, and so now they had to fill nine hours worth. And so you start making stuff up, yeah, and making up headlines and making up stories just to fill the air. Mm-hmm. So this constant need, you're right, of consumption, consumption. We want more. Give us more. Give us more. Mm-hmm. Has created a less quality product. That's exactly right. And we're going to talk here about in the in the next section about why we're like that now. Um, But some of the things caused by um, this information gluttony, right? Overconsumption of information. So the first is anxiety and stress. So uh, today's frenetic information landscape is making our brains busier than ever. The information triage 
uh, to our overburdened brains must constantly perform naturally drains huge amounts of energy. Uh, constant multitasking also drains energy. And we just talked about this. We had a guy come in and speak to our company and how unhealthy multitasking is to our brain. It's actually impossible to do. Yeah. It's physically impossible to legitimately multitask. Right. But what, what the guy was saying is it's, it's, it's more unhealthy for your brain and body. So it's more unhealthy to your brain to multitask, to switch what you're doing back and forth than it is to your body to smoke a pack of cigarettes. Mm. It's insane. Right. So, so, uh, uh, constant multitasking also drains energy, making dinner reservations on Yelp between replaying, uh, uh, replying to mom's text, sending a work email, watching a must-see video a friend just shared on Facebook with a span of five within a span of five minutes. Think about it. That's normal. Like we're doing all that. Um, the sort of extreme multitasking note, uh, notes neuroscientist Daniel Levitin overstimulates and stresses our brains. So what he says, so this is a neuroscientist, asking a brain to shift attention from one activity to another causes a prefrontal frontal cortex and uh, striatum to burn up oxygenated glucose, the same fuel they need to stay on task. Uh, and the kind of rapid continual shifting we do with multitasking causes the brain to burn through fuel so quickly that we feel exhausted and disoriented after even a short time. We literally depleted the nutrients in our brain. This leads to compromises in both cognitive and physical performance. Among other things, repeated tasks, task switching leads to anxiety, which raises levels of the stress hormone cortisol in our brain, which in turn can lead to aggressive and impulsive behavior. Mm -hmm. So, because we're, okay, we've got this information and we're, and we're on our news feed or our social media feed and we're seeing this and then we're seeing this. Oh, and then we're checking our email and then we're making a dinner reservation or we're talking, we're switching so much, which is exhausting our brain and then actually affecting the cortisol levels, which now we've got, notice that we've got an increase in domestic abuse. We've got, um, uh, we've got dysfunctional homes. Because what is the result of it? Aggressive and impulsive behavior. Mm. So these things are not just, okay, hey, we're just not wise. Like there's legitimate issues coming with the way that, the way mm. that we're consuming information these days. Yeah. Well, it's like that, that, I told that story about when we were on our way back from LA, that kid in front of us, 17, 18 year old kid, the, the speed at which he was consuming scrolling through TikTok, and then he would switch over to WhatsApp, and then he'd switch over to uh -huh. Instagram, and the, the speed at which he was just going back and forth. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what that, that paragraph was talking about, was just constant movement. Mm -hmm. And his brain is just stressed from trying to consume all that information. Yep. Wild. So any overconsumption, whatever it is, is unhealthy. And then and the next thing that it talks about is an issue with the information gluttony is not just anxiety and stress, but disorientation and fragmentation. So the array of information erodes our ability to distinguish between the trivial and truly important. Over time, we come to value information more for its spectacle, infotainment, than for its co the complex realities it signifies. So we are now struggling as a race distinguishing what is important and what is not is because we're desensitized. Mm. We see so much. We don't know what's important. We don't know when to stop on that scroll, right? The kid, how do I know what's actually really important and what's not is because we've got so much that's being thrown at us. Mm. 
we literally are just scratching the surface of everything and we're not diving deep into anything that actually may be important. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so, so we're, we're getting things and then, and then we're also, the other thing too, um, is fragmentation. So the constant hum of our, of our information feeds fragments of our lives. Instead of being present with our families, we are present with the, the hordes demanding our attention on email, text, WhatsApp, Messenger, and whatever communication platform you use instead of being present in the places we live. So now, because of our addiction, right, when we become, you know, a glutton for something, we want more and more and more. Mm-hmm. We need to satisfy that need. Now, what is that doing? We talk about it all the time, being present at home, putting that phone down, not replying to the email not taking that call, whatever it may be, is now our lives are being fragmented. We may be in one place physically, but we are not there. We are not there mentally. Right. And so just really important. And that's causing problems in the home. I mean, that's what kids are seeing. And so again, it's, it's just reinforcing to our kids, oh, mom and dad are on their phone all the time. And so now they're doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, so, the, so the next is uh, decision and commitment paralysis. We talk about this is we have so much information we have no idea we just keep consuming consuming because we're going to be the experts on it we're going to be and we don't ever actually take the step to start it right i think back you know back in the day when it's like hey i'm going to be a farmer guess what i'm going to go get a loan i'm going to go get some land and i'm going to start farming that was it and i'm gonna figure it out (laughs) you know what i mean yeah and now it's like okay what's the best loan type? You know, how can I do this? Okay. Hey, what's the best breed? And what's, you know, what kind of soil do I need? What's the climate for it? What's there's so much information. And I'm, this is like a real life, yeah. right? Like I want to be, I want to be a rancher. Like that's what I want to do. And it's like, I don't even know where to start because all I do is I'm watching and learning and trying to figure this out and trying to, trying to be the expert on it. And we don't ever actually, we don't ever actually commit to it. Right. We don't actually start yeah. because there's just too much information. Um, so the next thing that's, that's really, really, uh, um, an issue. And again, this goes back to wisdom and this sounds like, okay, we just have too much information. What are we doing? These are all, these are all symptoms of a lack of wisdom, right? And these are all leading to less and less wisdom. So one of the other things that this information gluttony is causing is confirmation bias, <laughs> right? This is, this is the epitome of who we are. Right. We are, because there's a limitless space online, every conspiracy theory, every quirky niche, every cult-like community has a place to flourish. Whatever you believe, whatever you believe, and whatever you might be tempted to believe, there's information online to back it up. There's somebody out there that believes it too. That's exactly right. (laughs) And so it's confirming, whether it's real or not, you can find something out there to get you to believe that whatever this thought or belief that I have is true. Yep. And again, it's somebody behind a screen in their parents' basement. Right. It's written, but hey, it's online. So, hey, yeah, it's fact. Yeah. And keeping with the nutrition theme, this is less serious, less life or death, but this is rampant in the nutrition and fitness space, the confirmation bias of uh-huh. here's what I believe. Now I'm going to go find things that confirm my belief as opposed to going an open-minded yep. and saying, whatever the results are, that's what they are. That's what yeah. we go with. No, you go find the, the three studies that back up whatever, you know, I, I only eat veggies and that's all I ever eat. And here's yeah. the three studies of why, yeah. or I only eat meat. That's all I ever eat. And that's, and here's the that's three the studies best thing why. for you. Right. Yeah. So there's, that's just rampant 
Well, and it's all just, over I the mean, place. Think about like the the debates, right? Go, before the election in in twenty twenty, like <laughs> you, the the information that they had, there was always data mm-hmm. that backed up right whatever point they were trying to make. Right. Two completely different sides of the argument. And yeah, I'm gonna find information somewhere to, to yeah. back it up. You look you look hard enough, you'll 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 <laughs> find a backup. That's exactly right. <laughs> All right. So so the next thing, and I think that, you know, this is this is uh, this is something that's gonna explain a little bit why, right? We're we're chasing this information, why we're only consuming things that confirm what we wanna believe, why we're over consuming, uh, why we're we're feeling anxiety and stress, and why we're, you know, we're paralyzed by this over information and we're not actually taking action. Um, so this next, the, the next thing we're gonna talk about is, is perpetual novelty. So you're always now searching. And these are, we talk about with our kids, always searching for the next best thing. Talking about myself. Well, we're all of us. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. But we always like to put it on our kids. Like we don't have the, <laughs> um, so CS Lewis, if you're not familiar with him, Get out from under the rock. It's kind of a big deal. Um, but he has a book uh, called Screw Tape Letters, and this is actually you know I've, Screw Tape Letters. Screw Tape Letters. Okay. So the the background on this book is is there's this guy and he's got um, he's got a the devil has assigned like little demons right to 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 be everybody or to to be with every person, and so what Screw Tape is is that that little demon that sits on your shoulder. And talks in your ear and tells you, you know, things that, and, and this book is like, he's saying things that sound like it's going to help you, but it's ultimately hurting yeah. you, right? Because it's getting you to question. Like, one of the examples is like, you know, what, you're in church and, um, and you're singing, you're in worship, you're singing, right? But all you can hear is the lady behind you singing off tune. And that's all you think about <laughs> yeah. as opposed to like focusing on why you're, you know right. what I mean? Why you're actually singing. You and said- so that's what this book is. And one of the, one of the quotes in the book that, that uh, he says is uh, this demand, uh, this demand is valuable in various ways. In the first place, it diminishes pleasure while increasing desire. The pleasure of novelty is by its very nature more subject than any other to the law of diminishing returns. So perpetual novelty, the per, the pursuit of novelty has by far the most diminishing returns. Yeah. Of anything else because if you're always chasing something new and you're looking for the next best thing, mm-hmm. you're never going to see any returns. It's like it's like literally like economics. It's like you're day trading and you're constantly selling you buy it, I'm over it. I'm selling it. Yeah. I'm, okay, I'm buying something else. You're never going to realize any of those returns that you can by sticking it out, staying in the stock market for a while because you're chasing what's new, what's new and fresh. I, I couldn't agree with that more. That I'm convinced that's why I never reached my full potential as an athlete because that's my, that's my story as a childhood athlete was if I wasn't getting a result that I wanted instead of sticking through it, I was on the next sport. I was quitting going to the next thing because, oh, I'm not getting my playing time. Let me go to basketball. Let me see if that provides what I'm looking for. Oh, I'm not getting enough playing time in basketball. Let me. So I never gave yeah. myself enough time in anything, enough enough reps. Well, how many hours really does it take hone. to be an expert? 10,000 10, hours. hours. I never, I, I've maybe got 10 hours. Yeah, right. <laughs> because you're, this is exactly right. I was, the high of pursuit was way more important to me than the actual accomplishment of anything. That's right. That's exactly. And right. so it was much easier to continue pursuing things than it was to ever actually stick through mm-hmm. and stick with something. 
I mean, and here's an everyday practical, um, everyday practical application of this is what about you're at a stoplight? What's the first thing you do? Pull my phone out. Pull your phone out. Mm -hmm. We can't even sit. No. We can't even sit because we're looking for, okay, hey, wh what can I find? You know, what trade happened today in the NFL? Or what's going on in Ukraine? Or what are my friends doing? Or who's on vacation? You know what I mean? Yep. It's constantly searching for something where we yep. can't even sit in stillness mm -hmm. ever. Look at next time you go to a, a restaurant and, and it's you're like a Chipotle. Exactly. Watch people in line. Dude, go to Everybody's a nice restaurant. It doesn't yeah, matter. Right. And I'm, I'm just as guilty. It's so fun. Yeah. That's always been a funny thought to me. Yeah. Is we, is I literally can't sit at a 30 second stoplight yeah. without needing some sort of stimulation. Yep. No, it's true. And, and he, in, in, in this book, they call it the horror of the same old thing. Uh, right. We think, oh, same old thing, man. Yeah. Same old thing. Yeah. Like there's a negative connotation associated with the same old thing. You know what? The same old thing is good. Because you're you're starting to master that yeah. old thing, yeah, oh, right. So true, man. So, so true. That's one thing. Um, so the other thing they talk about is just our, our changing brains. Um, so how we are um, how we are changing is our overstimulated brains are becoming weaker, less critical, and more gullible at at a time in history when we need them to be sharper than ever. So we are duller less critical and more gullible more than ever in a time that is more complex <laughs> and scary. How ironic is that? Isn't that We're crazy? getting dumber yet in a time, like you said, when I we know. need to be sharp and on top of our game. Because again, and we're going to talk about this here in just a second, is, is we are just scratching the surface on knowledge. Mm. Nobody's taking a deep dive. So one of the things that, as I, as I think about wisdom that is a, is a trait that like is really easy to identify is, is when someone is slow to answer a question and it's awkward sometimes huh. like there's a handful, there's a handful of people like in, you know, commercial real estate industry that like you'll ask a question to, and there's like a five, 10 second pause. And you're like, okay, this is awkward. What does he not know? I mean, you just give me an answer. Come on, come on, come on, talk. This is awkward. I don't like the silence. But what they're doing is they're actually contemplating, they're recalling on their experience, they're recalling on knowledge that they have, as opposed to just getting an Blurring answer. It out. Yeah. So we as a culture are quick to give answers, and instead we need to be slow on reflection. Mm. So in here they talk about, um, so Google offers quick answers to any query might, we might have. But wisdom is not about getting answers as fast as possible. It's more often about the journey, the bigger picture, the questions and complications on the way. Google can give an answer, right? You can, you can figure out how to cook something really quick on Google, but unless you've experienced it, know the nuances of, okay, you know, what is the order that I'm going to put this in and how long do I have to let it sit? And why do I have to knead this bread and what kind of oven, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there's nuances that make bakers unbelievable because of the time that they've put yeah. into it. Yeah. That's an interesting concept. What if Google, you know, cause it, it says one of 6 billion, 497 million answers or whatever. Uh -huh. What if they just came back with Here's 10 of the best yes. answers. <laughs> I know. I know. That would be wild. But it's hard because then Google decides it for you. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's not right. practical, That's but right. it is just an interesting thought of 
they're going to give you a, literally six billion answers quickly as opposed to yeah. a few good answers. Yeah. So this is really good about the quick answers instead of slow reflection. So the speed and access of information has conditioned us to gather information impatiently. Skimming has become the default way people read. In this world, so uh, there's a, um, a psychologist, and, and her name's Carr. We're evolving from being cultivators of personal knowledge to being hunters and gatherers in an elect electronic data forest. The strip mining of relevant content replaces the slow excavation of meaning. This has consequences for the brain, which may become more skilled at the strip mining approach to fast food information. So we're just getting the fast food information, and that's, and that's what we're doing, as opposed to going out, planting your crop, cultivating your crop, growing your crop, then harvesting your crop, and then preparing it for everybody. Um, this has, uh, but loses the ability to slowly sue over things that require synthesis and introspection. We move quickly from thing to thing, but fail to see how things connect. We can gather information faster than ever, but we are losing the ability to process it in a way that fully absorbs the nutrients. So we are, we have access to it. We can, we can get the information, but we are so fast and impatient. We're not digging into the information and actually processing it. We're reading, think about it. If you've got an, when was the last time you read an article? I think you're different because you actually like, like really dig Cause into I'm a weirdo, it. but, but an article, if there's an article that comes out, you read the heading, you read the little, the subject, right? The, the second bold, mm -hmm. you got the title, you got the, the, the heading, and then you maybe will read a paragraph or two and you're like, okay, I got it all. Yeah. If they don't, if they don't get to the point in the first paragraph, yeah, I'm out. So we just skim it as, right. a, as opposed to really digging in and understanding why. And what it does is it challenges, it's a challenge because we don't connect the dots then. If we don't know all of the information, there's no way that we can connect that to another experience or another that actually ties those together and makes it relevant. You know how apparent this is? YouTube, for instance, I don't know what the average video is on YouTube, but a lot of them are eight to 10 minutes. Yeah. And there's a rate there, I think it's called the click, I forget what they call it, but it's basically, it gives you feedback on how many people started and clicked on the video and how many people actually made it to the end. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Crazy. We can't even watch an eight minute video because we're just so bouncing from thing to thing. Well, if I, if I'm like a how to on YouTube, mm -hmm. right. I'm looking at the videos that are you know, two minutes six, long. Yes. Yeah, they're like, yes, like five to seven minutes. If, if it's, yeah. If it's a, if it's any longer <laughs> if than it's that, 18 minutes, uh -uh, yeah. no, too much. That's not too that's, much. That's nope. too much. How to, no, no, no. You just <laughs> t tell me exactly. Don't tell me why. Don't, right. don't tell me understand why the headlight is wired that way. Yeah. Why in replacing the bulb does this yeah. and why the harness is there and why the, uh, the dust protector is on mm -hmm. the back of your headlight just because this happened the other yeah. day and I was, but it's like, we don't dig in and understand why. Yeah, and I'll push back a little bit. And there's, I do think, and I'm sure he talks about that. We're only getting a snippet, but mm. I do think it's appropriate in scenarios, certain scenarios. Like in yeah. that scenario, if I just need to, I'm fixing I, something. That's an example. I need right? to do it. Yeah. Right. I need to get it done. Yeah. The problem is when that carries over to everything and you're, you're just constantly consuming the world in 20 and 30 second sound bites. Yep. Yep. So true. So this one, man, this one hit me hard. Um, this one I feel is definitely me right now, but, but I, everyone falls in this category. So the next, the next topic, you know, in the perpetual novelty is we're in a perceptual presentism. So we are is that a word. 
presentism. Yeah, so perceptual presentism. So we live only in the present, and we only live minute by minute. And what that is, is these news cycles. Okay, tell me, can you tell me the last four texts you have on your phone right now? Last four texts? Four texts. No. Okay, because <laughs> it's, not, it's not right now. Can you tell me... Uh, can you tell me two things you heard on the news last week? Last week? Yeah, last week. Specifically? Yeah, two things. Just two, walk me through two stories outside of Russia and Ukraine. No. Can't. Because <laughs> no. it doesn't affect us in the moment right, right. now, right? And that's, that's how we live. So, uh, so here we go. So... This living in the moment, only caring about what happens right now, um, it's not only narcissistic, it's dangerous. It disconnects us from the wisdom of history and places undue mental emphasis on blind trust in uh, which is the least likely to produce wisdom. So we are putting our trust in the information we're getting right now or focused on this right now as opposed to actually recalling the wisdom and experience over the years. I think of politically right now, and I think of um, the cycles and the things that we are we are making decisions that are contrary to what history has told us. Mm. And because it, it doesn't matter, that's not us. That's not that's not right now in the moment. All I care about is what is on my feed right now. Right. Because it doesn't matter what happened last week. It doesn't matter what happened the week before. What, what's the old saying? If you don't learn from history, it's... It's, it's destined to it's repeat destined itself. It's destined to repeat itself, yeah. And yeah. that's exactly it. Like, as a country, we think that we're invincible. Like, we're only 300 years old, and we're... We don't have much longer as a country. If if any history is true, right? nations only last so long. We're, we're young, but in reality, the things that we're doing now... If we look back to Rome, if we look back to, to ancient Greece, if we look back to um, Persia, like ancient Persia, Babylon, all the things that, that caused those civilizations to fold, we're doing right now because yeah. we are not, we're not concerned with history. Yeah. We're only concerned with what's happening in this immediate moment. Yeah. So Catholic philosopher uh, Augusto de Noche, writing in 1970, put it this way. Today's man, cut off from the past and from the future, lives through a sequence of discontinuous uh, instants. Perfect novelty is his oxygen. So I'm just looking for cool things, new changes that's in the moment. I'm not worried about understanding and processing history and understanding why things are, are happening and, and, you know, and why they are. Um, so in the Atlantic uh, in 2019, uh, uh, Jonathan Haidt and Tobias Stockwell note the problematic way ideas and conflicts of the present moment dominate and displace older ideas and lessons of the past. One paradox of the information age they observe is that even as younger generations grow up with unprecedented access to everything that has ever been written and digitized, the new generations nevertheless find themselves less familiar with the uh, accumulated wisdom of humanity than any recent generation and therefore more prone to embrace ideas that bring social prestige within their immediate network and yet are ultimately misguided. So if you think, if you think about who we're listening to, right? 
who are the what what is the what is the term on social media if if you people are are tuning in and listening to the information that you give out influencer you're an influencer so our culture today relies on influencers to provide the information that they need as opposed to historians psychologists people that have studied and been theologians mm -hmm. people that have studied and understand why and and how we got to where we're at today. Right. And it's just, it's just really, it, what it does is it just misguides us. And we're going to get into that now is that, that's probably always been a thing though. Right. Cause I think um, about, I think about growing up who I looked up to were athletes, people I saw on TV. Yeah. I think we, I wasn't up looking them, at scientists, but we're looking, and, but we're looking to them for information. We're looking to, uh, Akash said it like we're looking to actors and celebrities mm -hmm. to give us opinions on social justice issues, yeah. to give us opinions on history, to give That's us, true. to give us information on, on the COVID-19. Right. That's true. That is where it's because, because growing up, we didn't hear athletes talk about anything no. political. No. And, and we talk, I'm not, I'm not about, Hey, shut up and play. That's not what I'm saying, but those are the people we're relying on on information from because right. that's what's fast that's what's new as opposed to really you know gaining information and wisdom by either digesting or looking to history mm -hmm. to understand it we're just so disconnected like we started the show off it's like we are we're like you don't get it you don't understand times are changing it's changing so fast you got to keep up you don't understand what we're living in and so we discredit people that have seen so much and i do this uh, there's a, there's an incredible incredible man that works in our in our office incredible man and there's times that I'll find myself saying oh man you don't you don't know what it's like to sell like you don't know what it's like to go interact and he's been through it all he's been yeah. through the 80s downturn in Dallas he's been through the 2008 uh crash he's been through those things and it's like Oh, you just because you're because you've been in the industry so long, you you just don't know. You don't know yeah, what it's like it's today. Changed. Yeah, times have changed. No, like that's it's so it's so lost. And so the last thing that we'll do, and again, I know this is kind of a down negative episode. We're going to build it back up um, next week, and and we're going to talk about how, how we can actually gain wisdom mm -hmm. in a time that it's just so confusing. Um, but this last this last idea is is it's important. Um. And, and the, this section is, is look within autonomy. So there's so much bad information out there, so much that is false and fake and corrupted by bias. It's no wonder we increasingly cope by seeing ourselves as the most trustworthy source. It's no wonder, look within, follow your heart, you do you, are resonant phrases. Like, there's, we now are, there's so much information and we talk about it all the time. You, I don't even know where to find good information. So what are we doing? We're relying on ourselves mm -hmm. to create whatever truth that we want to. Speak your truth. Speak your truth. <laughs> so, right? Hold on. Oh, that's so yeah, your truth. You <laughs> Oprah, right? Oprah mm -hmm. in her Lifetime Achievement Award, it, you know, she talked about, you know, the most important thing is to believe your truth, what's true to you. Mm. And it's like, look, I get it. Like, if you believe something and you um, you're convicted about it, right? Like be passionate about it. I'm not I'm not saying that, but when you create truths, yeah, it causes confusion because we're not the experts, right? Unless you are, and then you could say, hey, 
that's my truth because it is the truth because right. I've done the, done the research. <laughs> I've conducted the studies. I've right. done all that. But we are just creating truths in our heads that just ultimately leads to more confusion. And, and not only are we doing that, we're encouraged to do that. Yeah. So I brought up the <clears throat> COVID-19 and how this kind of exponentially made things worse. But um, one of the first things when, when, we come, when we become autonomous, there's a death of expertise, right? People that are experts, it's gone. So the Internet's democratization of information has had a leveling effect that tends to downplay credentials and embolden unqualified participation in every area of discourse. We are now all now experts on everything and have platforms to publish our thoughts. <laughs> yeah, you think about the, the COVID-19 experts turned into yes. the Russia-Ukraine experts turned into, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That's right. You, you, got, somebody, you got somebody on the Internet putting four masks on and showing how the vapor comes out. It's like, this isn't protecting anybody, right? So they're an expert now because right. they did this little catchy science experience. Um, on the other side of it, you've got these people that are saying, oh, yeah, this is the way to do it. And nobody, nobody, the CDC included, yeah, nobody knew. Right. Nobody knew. And the, the problem is, is, you know, a combination of all the stuff we talked about earlier is it's so fast to get information out. Like the experts, the actual science behind it is getting lost. Like we just want to give answers as yeah. opposed to finding answers. Yeah, and they're not. There's there's a lack of humility in the expertise as well. Yep. It's I have to know the answer. I have to have it right from the beginning and always. Yep. And you have to listen to me because of who I am. Yep. And there's no humility there of well, may, I could be wrong. This is what we know today. And here's what we're doing about it. Yeah. As opposed to no, here's what here's what it is. Here's the only way it is. This is the yeah. truth. Yeah. It's so so. I think of it. There's a couple examples. Like let's just say you love doing yard work, right? And you want to have like the perfect grass, the perfect trees, the perfect flowers. You can go on, and any Joe Blow can go on and create a video on on how to fertilize your your grass, yeah. right? Not somebody that's actually gone to school for it, that's been formally educated, gone through training, has worked in the field, has cre has actually done things. But because you're on YouTube and you put a video up now, you're the expert. Right. So it's killed the idea that it and we talk about it all the time. Why go to college? Yeah. Nobody cares if you if you're an expert in that field <laughs> or not, if you studied that. Yeah. Because you could just go on social media or you can go on YouTube or you can go on any kind of online platform and just now you're the expert because yeah. you put it out there. I will say I do appreciate the opportunities it has presented, though. Yeah. I, I know th I, there's a yeah. negative way to look at this and there's yeah. a positive way. The positive way to look at this is look how many people we now can pull uh -huh. from. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a negative side. I don't know who to trust. Yeah. But the positive is, hey, anybody can do this. Yeah. We can, we're now exposed to people who are doing great things yeah. who may not have had the platform before. Yeah. Well, and here's the deal is, look, if we're talking about, like, woodworking – Right, something that's not a a massively sure. important topic into right. our culture. It's fun and it's a hobby and it's great and it takes a lot of skill. But and so if you create uh, you know a blog about how to build wooden tables and benches and and you know all these different things, awesome. Like yeah. that's what I'm saying. Opportunities out there. But when you now become the expert in in topics that are very important, sure. whether it's talking about social justice, whether it's talking about politics, whether it's talking about, um, war, whether, whatever it may be, right? Like those are now everybody's the expert. Yeah. And, and you don't, 
what are your credentials? What is your experience? Mm-hmm. And everybody, it, everybody will discredit everybody else. And so there's just no expertise out yeah. there. And that's what, that's what really is, is scary, to be honest with you. Um, so the idea of uh, alternative facts. <laughs> um, so so backstory on this is uh, it was famously entered in a cultural lexicon in early 2017 when Kellyanne Conway told Chuck Todd on Meet the Press um, this is in reference to like a disputed crowd size for one of Trump's for Trump's inauguration. Um, and she said, you're saying it's falsehood and we are giving alternative facts to that to which Todd went on to reply. Alternative facts are not facts. They're falsehoods. <laughs> like you can't just provide alternate facts. Right, like right. either they're true or they're not like they're not alternate. Either it's this number or it's not. <laughs> So in today's post-truth world, facts are seen as fluid, bias-laden things to dispute or ignore when they threaten us. Political debates are largely unproductive because, in part, both sides marshal their own set of facts, and I'm throwing up the air quotes, and simply dismiss the other side's arguments as invalid. Feelings now overrule facts. So again, yeah. you have all this. You can facts. find whatever facts you want to back yeah. it up, but it's all about your feelings. And if you're saying something that is contrary, whether it's true or not, I'm just going to discredit it. Yeah. The anti to that, the common phrase is facts over feelings. Yes. So I don't get super emotional. <laughs> what do the facts say? Yes, that's exactly right. Um, and so, so the last thing, and we discussed it a little bit, is is your truth. Um. So, again, Oprah. In 2018, at the Golden Globes, she had a Lifetime Achievement Award, and she says, what I know for sure is that speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we all have. The question is, is there's a reason the word is truth, because it is true. We create things in our mind that is our own truth that may not be true. We just feel it. Like, mm-hmm. and, we're, and we're going through this gender identity crisis, right? In Dallas, did you, did you hear this story? I don't know. So there's a student in Dallas, and I, again, I'm, I may be repeating things that are false, but uh, but this was <laughs> this was reported, and a student is suing the school district because they're not putting litter boxes in the bathrooms because this student identifies as a cat, <laughs> and they are not accommodating. What that again? I have not heard of that. Is their truth is that they are a cat? Yeah. Wow. So again, we're creating truths and, and I'm not, I'm not, um, discrediting. I'm not, look, if I'm not even going to go there, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> That's wisdom, yeah, Tyler. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just don't I'm go not, there. I'm not going to talk. <laughs> I'm just going to be silent. <laughs> um, so what this does, your truth also puts an incredible self-justifying burden on the individual. So not only are we just creating things that may not be true, but they're true, or we want them to be true in our head, is there's some negative things that go with this. Um, If we're all self-made projects whose destinies are wholly ours to discover and implement, life becomes a rat race of of, uh, performative individuality. Live your truth autonomy is thus an exhausting as it is incoherent. As French sociologist Elaine... Ehrenberg points out in the uh, weariness of the self, the self-creating person turns out to be fragile and, and weary of her sovereignty. Depression is the inevitable result and the inexplorable counterpart of human being who is his or her own sovereign. 
your truth autonomy invariably leads to loneliness. It erroneously suggests we can live unencumbered and uninfluenced by the various structures that surround us, families, churches, cultures, biology. It becomes impossible to form community when everyone is in, on their own island with no necessary reliance upon larger truths or embeddedness within a bigger story. So when we're creating our own island, because that's our truth, and we live on that island by ourselves, it ultimately leads to loneliness. It leads to depression um, because we then are not able to connect with other people because we don't have that community that are surrounded by the similar truths out there. Yeah, it's just another example of seeking comfort. Yeah, It's much easier for me to believe this, my truth, than it is to either... Um, be proved wrong or believe something else that's more uncomfortable. Yeah. So it's just another way we seek comfort. Yeah. Is the way I see that. And, and it's, again, when you burden yourself with, with all that weight and you are responsible solely for proving that truth right to everybody else, that's an exhausting task. Sure. And, and I just, it's just a really hard way to live. Um. And so this, this has really been kind of a negative episode, right? Yeah, dude, what's it's, wrong with you? I know, it's a little depressing. <laughs> but it's been negative, but we do have to identify the problem before we can start talking about the solution. Well, and, and what I keep thinking about this whole time is, and maybe you're going to read this, maybe you're going to say this, is, yes, this is negative, and, and there's a lot of bad, and there's a lot of yeah. problems out there. Uh -huh. But just think about it this way, or this is the way I keep it in perspective. This has been around for, what, 10 12 years, this, this information age where we're just inundated, I mean, I where everybody say, has a cell dude, phone. We're coming up, we're coming up on 15, right? Okay. Think dot com. Like, okay, that's yeah. fine. F 15 years, but, but yeah. the cell phone, when was, yes. when was the iPhone? 2008? 2008 to 2000. Okay. So, yeah. So to me, that's really when stuff really took off yep. because now it's in your pocket. Uh -huh. So 2008, that is not that long. Uh-huh that this information age has been around. Yeah. And so I bring up that, yes, there's a lot of issues. We just went down a whole laundry list of problems that we're facing. But the exciting thing is the optimist in me says, we haven't been facing this issue for very long. Give us a few years to figure this out. Uh -huh. But the, the important thing is that people like us need to be having these conversations. Uh -huh. We need to be teaching our children about this. Yep. But think about it. This is brand new to all of us. This is not, our parents didn't go through this. Yeah. So they were never, we're having to figure this out real time. Every single issue that you just listed is stuff that we're having to figure out on the go. Yep. Yep. So now we're, it's up to us as parents to raise a generation of kids who can handle this better. Then guess what they're going to do? They're going to turn around and raise a, kids, a generation of kids that, that handle it. So eventually we're going to get better at this is, yeah. is what the optimist in me would say. Well, I mean, think this about is all where, brand where, are we at, where are we at in the cycle, right? We're at the... You know, good times create weak men. Weak right. men create. We're in the bad times. Yeah. We're 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 in the weak men on the verge of bad times. As long as we don't nuke each other and blow the whole world up, the cycle is gonna. We're gonna be. Yeah. We're going to be fine. But it takes conversations like this. Yes. It takes awareness yeah. to realize that this is a problem. Yeah. What do you do with problems? You figure out solutions, and yeah. that's what we're. That's that's the next step we need to take. I think the last few years we've started to recognize these as issues and yeah. the mental health aspect. Yeah. So now what do we do about it? How do we adjust? How do we get better? Yeah. And I think you just look at right. Amazon bestseller book list. A lot of it is put the phone down, be present, right. you know, enjoy the beauty around you. Like you see all these things on, on how to be less distracted, how to be less 
and and it's it's attacking and i think everything surround is surrounding right that this is a tool that although can be very useful it can be very very dangerous and again we're talking about wisdom and we're talking about and and there's other things that that as we go next week we're going to talk about that pyramid right what your foundation needs to be and as you build up right and where you get your your information and wisdom from and just i'll say this this is just a little teaser wisdom doesn't come overnight it is completely counterintuitive to our culture and we need to know it now we need to have the information now and that's not what wisdom is wisdom is built from failures wisdom is built from time wisdom is felt from success wisdom is built from heartbreak wisdom is built from all of those things and you can't experience those things in two weeks yeah can't experience those things in a year yeah it takes a lifetime to build wisdom. And so just again, just be patient, right? Understand that, look, information is at the tip of our fingers constantly, mm-hmm. okay? But how are you choosing to digest it? Yeah. What information are you then taking that you just skimmed through and then sending off to somebody else? Like I shared the, the kitty litter deal, yeah. right? Like I don't know that whole story, <laughs> but it was reported about, right. and, I, and I talked about it. So I apologize if that is an untrue story, right. but I, that is something that, that was, I just, I just saw, and I'm like, this is insanity. You know, it, as scary as it is, it's exciting, actually. Yeah. Think about this. We could have been born, you and I, David, anybody listening to this, could have been born at any other time in history. Yeah. But we were born at this time. Yeah. And think about how exciting it is that we're on the front end of this. And yes, we, there's a lot of suffering. I don't know, man. I, I, I watched 1883, and I wish I was born then. <laughs> there's a, yes, there's a lot of hardship and anxiety yeah. that comes with it. I get it. But we have way more opportunities than ever before. Yep. A 1950 millionaire would kill to have an iPhone. Yes. We have way, our, our poorest people have way more power yeah. than somebody in the 1950s who was a millionaire. Yeah. So yes, it's daunting, but how exciting is yeah. it that we get we have been chosen to be the ones yeah. that get to be the guinea pigs for this this time? Because our grandkids are going to be badasses with, with information and technology because of the way that we had to live through it. Yeah, right. We're we're going to be considered quote unquote the hard men and women. <laughs> how did you of do society? It? Right. You had to you Just, had to wait for Amazon <laughs> to come to your house. <laughs> Just think about all the things that, that we get to live yeah. through right now yeah. that generations in the past would have killed for, number yeah. one. But number two, we get to be the guinea pigs. We get to set the tone right. and set the example if we approach it the right way. Yeah. And we get to raise up our kids in a way that handles this much better than we could have because we're just winging it. That's right. We're figuring it out as we go. That's right. So, yes, it's daunting. Tyler freaking just pissed on all your dreams for the last hour. Sucked the life out of you. <laughs> but understand, no, seriously, this was a great eye-opening, uh, the book. I can't wait to dive into the book. Yeah. Um, but that's what I think of coming out of that is, yes, there's a lot of problems, but we get to be part of the solution. That's How right. exciting is that? That's right. That's exactly so. right. Well, I appreciate you, man. Appreciate everybody. Make sure to subscribe. Make sure to share anything that you hear of value, whether it's this episode, another episode. Just encourage you to share it with friends. Talk about it at your next dinner party. People still have dinner parties? No. Is that a thing? Okay. No. Just to age myself. We, we, I think there's an app that you eat. You get together friends on. <laughs> virtually. <laughs> yeah, virtually. virtually. <laughs> what is it? Virtual. Uh, uh, what is it? Virtual Dude, happy okay. hour? <laughs> so, hey, so true story is we went and saw um, the dog, the new Channing Tatum movie where he has to transport um, – 
former uh, he's an army ranger and one of his um, I haven't one seen of his this. buddies. Yeah, it's actually it was pretty good. It's a kids movie. Definitely no, definitely don't. Oh, okay. we did. Yeah, I was definitely gonna say you went with your kids. Didn't definitely you? shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> definitely shouldn't have. Um, but he's in Portland. He's driving from I think he's driving from uh, Fort Smith in Oregon, and he's driving to um, to Arizona. But he's in Portland, and he like goes out. And he's like in the line for the bathroom and he's talking to this hipster and he's like, what's up, bro? Hey, uh, uh, let me buy you a beer. He goes, oh yeah. For, he goes, oh no, no, no. Virtually, bro. He goes, what? He's like, yeah, bro. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll send you, I'll buy you one and we can, we can, we can have a happy hour virtually. Oh, he's wow. like, well, how, what do you actually drink? He goes, we well, just drink it virtually, man. We just sit. He's like, so you don't actually drink it? No, man, it's better because it's virtual. It's like, that's where we're headed. That's where that's we're headed. Uh, and, and a little bit of a teaser. So this coming Monday, Woo. our episode with Tyler referenced it earlier, which you don't know what we're talking about if you listen to this, but Akash Singh. And if you yes. don't know who that is, hilarious stand-up comedian. Yep. Uh, our episode coming up Monday. I, I don't. I can't think of another time. I know we talked about you know our favorite guests and things. I can't think of a time where we had more fun. We laughed. Harder. We laughed so hard. Yeah. I was literally sweating at times because yes. of how hard we were laughing. I sweat the whole time. <laughs> yeah, your back really was <laughs> full sweat. So get ready for that episode. We will say a lot of our episodes are kid friendly. Just just warning you, especially, this when, one. Darren, especially when Darren's not here. <laughs> this one may or may not be. So so yeah. viewer or listener discretion. Use your discretion. If advice, you, if, but you I know. promise you, you're gonna have a great time when you listen to that episode. Yep. Just you may not want to let your five year old listen to it. Is all we're saying. Yeah. So would, anyway, but but there's a lot. He actually he brought a ton. Maybe of Maybe filter. Maybe listen to yourself and then filter yeah. the, the good. Because yeah, you're right. He brought there was a ton of value. It yeah. wasn't just all fun. It was yeah. There were a lot of Very good lessons deep, learned. Thought provoking so, topic. Yeah. So anyway, be on the lookout for that this coming Monday. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Thank you guys as always for the support. Like Tyler said, please follow us. Please share. Please all do all those good things to help us grow and reach more people. That's right. We can't do this without you. We appreciate you guys. We love you. Have a great rest of the week and a great weekend.